blistered hands and this hammer I've held since I was born. Skin is cracked and torn, my body bruised and worn. Build your castle, but it's all behind your money in the walls. What's the point of it all? Welcome to another episode of Religionless Church. I'm your Twitter resurrection gate, fly in the wall, and Religionless Church host, Mason Menega. In this episode, I talk with Carolina Inosa Cisneros. Carolina is a Tejana poet, freelance writer, speaker, 2019 Ruben Alves Award winner, and an overall most wonderful human being. Also musically featured throughout this episode is the Bluebird 2. The Bluebird 2 is a folk duo from Atlanta. You can get connected with both Carolina and the Bluebird 2 and their work in the links in the episode description. In the links in the description, you will also find my website, masonmeninga.com, where you can find more of my work, including some articles and papers I write, other religionless church episodes, and ways to connect with me via social media. If religionless church matters to you, there are two ways you can support. First, give the podcast a rating and a review. This not only offers thoughts and evaluations to others considering listening to the podcast, but it also informs me upon what to improve with the podcast. The second way to support is to become a patron of my Patreon page. Patreon is a service where supporters financially support creators. With currently three different tiers varying from $1 to $10 a month, you receive respective rewards for supporting my work. Rewards include papers I write, upcoming Religionless Church episode previews, lectures I create, and much more. The links to connect to and support me and my work, including my Patreon page, are all in the episode description. I no longer wish to be your object cause of desire, as I, with my begging rambling, prevent you from your object of desire of this awaiting episode. Therefore, here it is, Religionless Church. I have the pleasure to talk with Carolina Inosa Cisneros. Uh, and Carolina is just one of the bubbliest, most wonderful people in the world you'll, you'll ever meet. Uh, we started following each other on Twitter probably not quite a year ago, but uh, some time ago now. And I just think that the work that she does is just the best. And so anyway, with all that said, Carolina, you are a poet, you're a writer, you um, are a mother, you're a speaker. Uh, I think you're also a wife as well. I think we talked a little bit about that before. Uh, and you're also the 2019 Ruben Alves Award winner. Uh, so there's so much that makes up Carolina. And there's so much more that also makes up Carolina. So my question, my first question is who is Carolina Inosa Cisneros to Carolina Inosa Cisneros? I don't know. Who is she? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm a person on a journey. Mm. I'm not trying to get too deep or anything, but I think I'm just a person on a journey. I love learning, being a student, and not student of the classroom, but like student of my community, student... Mm. Mm -hmm. And whatever those communities happen to be, not just the one where I am like regionally located and, but a student, just, I love learning. And I love that that journey um, is continuous, right? I don't think it's ever going to end, but 
I just I'm a person on a journey. Mm, I love that. That sounds like the most Enneagram 7 answer you could have come up with. <laughs> love it. So uh, with that journey, tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey. I'm so interested by this. Sure. So I'll make it short. I usually have a really long answer to this, but <laughs> um, I was I was raised Catholic. And somewhere around middle school, my grandmother decided we were not going to be that anymore. Mm. Um, and so we tried on lots of different uh, congregations and different places of worship, Pentecostal. Um, we were here and there. And um, I think while my grandmother was journeying on her own, trying to find her spirituality, I sort of left the church. Uh, the church never left me, though. Mm. So I have landed now in an Episcopalian church, which I find that honors my my Catholic roots, but mm. also honors my indigenous roots. It's mm. as close to that as I can get um, without being Catholic, right? So mm -hmm. I have chosen Episcopalian. But um, when I was younger, a little girl, my grandma used to um, practice indigenous practices, well, indigenous to us, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't recognize that that's what they were. Um, you know, limpias, sovadas, just the way she would clean her house, contrapiadas and stuff. I didn't recognize that that's what that was until I got much older. Mm -hmm. um, and then I realized, oh, that's what was happening. That's what we were. But um, I think Catholicism helped her be closer to her indigeneity. Um, and so that's how I gravitate toward being Episcopalian because it's closer to Catholicism. That's closer to my indigeneity mm -hmm. at the Tejana um, and Chicana here in South Texas. One of the things that you've done that I would imagine is probably an extension to your spiritual journey is you wrote a small little book of poems called Becoming Coats Toto. And so my question for you, Carolina, is what did you learn about yourself while writing Becoming Coats Toto? That's a great question. A really good question. I didn't have this great grand epiphany or anything. <laughs> Um, it's a lot of little pieces. Those poems are, so it's a chat book. So it's not a collection. So it is, it is, mm. um, a smaller, um, it is a chat book. So these poems are, some of these poems are published in other places in very different places. And in putting them together and reading the book as it is, I thought to myself, I talk a lot about motherhood and I had no idea uh, that I was bringing all of those feelings to the forefront. Uh, I thought that my collection was rooted somewhere regionally, like giving voice to, um, to this particular part of town, to this particular um, side of Texas, but that was not what happened it sort of it brought out all of these feelings of missing my own mom um, remembering my own grandmother and then along with that naturally 
there is always a sense of ancestral wisdom that comes from my grandmothers. Um, and then stories of my own motherhood, um, how that parallels with my mom. Mm. And so my mom, I grew up with my grandmother, but I do still have, my mom is still alive. Um, just going over all of the poems, I thought, what a grand way to pay honor to that, but also this idea of storytelling, which I get from my grandmother and my grandfather, where we pass this knowledge down, right, intergenerationally. Mm -hmm. And as I seek to become storyteller for my own children, uh, realizing that cutting off our stories is actually cutting off our culture mm. and it's like severe, severely impairing um, our spiritual growth. So in becoming storyteller, I think birds are our greatest storytellers, which is why I named the book after a yellow bird. Mm. Um, and in a language that's not a colonizer language, because I do speak two colonizer languages. I speak English and I speak Spanish. Mm. Um, that is that is part of my identity um, as a Tejana, Chicana, Mujerista, um, where I'm located as well. So in naming this chapbook Yellowbird, becoming Yellowbird is becoming storyteller, mm. right? It's not canary, uh, although it is a canary-like bird, but becoming this storyteller and holding all of those stories of motherhood, ancestral wisdom, and all of that, it just that are not my mothers but but they're the mothers of this land and the mothers of our of our stories which are migrant women um mm. who i also write poems about one in particular in the chat book that's called blessed be the mother and so that poem is sort of this parallel universe if you will mm. i believe in parallel universes mm -hmm. so, so bear with me i get weird sometimes in conversation <laughs> But so that poem in particular is a layer of universes, right? It's it's everything happening at the same time to me, my mom, migrant mothers, grandmothers, my children, all together. It's all of these layers stacked on each other. Um, it's a multifaceted poem, that one. But I had no idea that if you take a look at it, these are poems of motherhood, right? Of earth. And, and I had no idea that was going to happen. Just in putting them together, I thought, oh my gosh, I sure do write about that a lot. What did it mean for you to win the 2019 Ruben Alves Award? I honestly was taken aback. Mm. I had no idea that was going to happen. I um, I still, so you're the first first person that I talked to about this, just so you know. Mm, um, I feel special. 
<laughs> you are Mason. <laughs> <laughs> I um I'm really still trying to process that. It was such an honor um to be called storyteller and not those words and to be called teacher but in not those words to be presented with this award that's an apple that was hand carved by mm. a person that by a quaker right like the mm-hmm. hands of this person carved this apple the way we carve stories mm-hmm. the way we carve dance the way we carve ourselves into the universe and I just have so many emotional um, reactions and thoughts to it. And I'm still sort of trying to process that. Mm. And so what I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm deeply moved and deeply honored. And I feel like it belongs to my community. And I hope that I always am doing the work of us and not the work of me. Mm. And so... I think Hubem is a great prophet uh, or was a great prophet. And uh, yeah, I'm moved. I'm moved beyond words. I'm still mm-hmm. trying to process that. Mm-hmm. I just, just know that I'm, I'm deeply, deeply honored. Mm-hmm. You focus on your ancestral roots uh, as a means to decolonize, specifically decolonize theology. Uh, you sort of play in the theology world a little bit as well. Uh, what are the ways uh, that learning one's ancestral roots contributes to a decolonizing of theology? I told you I wasn't going to throw the softball questions, but then, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was one of the, the fastballs that I told you I wasn't going to throw. <laughs> <laughs> the first... The first thing to be aware of and to be cognizant of in my particular situation is to be careful not to appropriate, right? Because Mm -hmm. I am both colonized and colonizer. I'm a Tejana. Um, I'm descendant of and not necessarily of. So I need to be careful when decolonizing that I'm not appropriating um, indigenous peoples, native peoples, I that that weighs on me every time mm. I use the word decolonized. I've sort of moved into this space where I'm instead of decolonizing, I'm talking about disrupting, right? Mm. And that's purely because I'm in an academic setting. And so for me now learning under the great um incredible Chicana rhetorician, Dr. Candice Abella, um I've learned to utilize the word decolonization in more of a disruptive Mm-hmm. you know um capacity so so actually for me decol- decolonizing is going back to the birthplace right when i was born here but the birthplace of spirit the birthplace of soul mm-hmm. i recently read this incredible book by naomi ortiz um it's called sustaining spirituality I'm probably going to get the name wrong, but it's spiritual work as you do social justice work. Hmm. And she asks an incredible question of, ¿Dónde está tu ombligo? Where is your belly button? Because from everything, you're rooted from belly button, right? That's how you were connected to mother. Hmm. Um, And it reminds me sort of the Garden of Eden, right? Mm -hmm. That we're 
connected by this tree and this womb, it being the womb, the garden being the womb. But um, just going back, going back, going back. And for me, that means a lot of things. It's a lot of labor to go back. Um, it's a lot of labor to sit still and to listen, at least for me it is. And, and to realize that, you know, having different dreams or having different visions um, and recognizing that that's Holy Spirit mother at work and that that's not, you know, demon induced <laughs> or, or just me being a seven and being super enthusiastic and being like, I see everything I want to know. It's great. Um, yeah. So going back to that root is actually just remembering what my grandmother did with us when we were younger or did with me when, when we were younger um, and resurrecting like Jesus, right? Resurrecting these traits that we, or these practices that we had when we were younger and always being aware of spirit. I think a lot of times we get out of touch with the Holy Spirit um, because it sounds like something that's beyond, that's far out of here. But um, Holy Spirit was present with God when God you know, made earth and made all of the goodness that surrounds us. And so just getting back in touch with Holy Spirit Mother. And for me, that's decolonization. And for me, that looks like going back to where my roots are um, with grandma, you know, working with her gopal and working with her, um, her huevo. She would rub all the egg all over us to try to get the bad um, spirits out of us and mm. people people would call bs on that all the time like oh grandma you know my cousins would be like grandma that does not work like there's mm. <laughs> the egg is not cooking there's no spirits coming out of the body that's just not you know they call bluff on it and i think that's a lot of the myth that we've lost a lot mm. of the myth that we um because when we say myth we think of this thing that's unreal um from myth is born our stories, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to lose myth because that's the way that I'm going to hand down story to my children um, to ensure that we're not lost, that we're that we don't get lost. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was a very long answer <laughs> to that's your so great. question. I really could talk about this forever um, or for a very long time, really, because. Mm -hmm the more that I talk about it, the more that I unpack new things that I didn't realize um, were there kind of hanging out. It's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. right. It's just remembering is all it is. It's not coming up with new language or new verbiage. It's just, it's always there. It's a, it's a re-remembering, right? Like re-remembering mm -hmm. from your brain, but also from your body and just remembering, like putting your body parts back on because we seem to have lost those, um, when we think that the brain is separate from the spirit. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I really could talk about it forever. So sorry if I'm rambling. No, I, I could hear you talk about it forever. That would be wonderful.
one of the things that I, I love about your poetry, at least from my perspective, is it's deeply theological. It, it seems to be an expression of your, your theology. So how does your poetry contribute to your own theological reflection? That's a deep question, Mason. <laughs> you and said no deep questions. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought those were the light questions. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a great question. It's a beautiful question. I think that writing is always a reflection um, or a continued reflection. And I don't know if that informs my theology or maybe just underscores it. Mm. I, I don't know. Can I say I don't know? Yeah, that's a very know, right? reasonable answer. In fact, it's probably the answer that I would have if I, if I was a poet. <laughs> I... Poetry is such a manifestation of different things that sometimes you knew were there, sometimes you didn't know that they were there. Um, it just kind of creeps out sometimes. Sometimes you can be very intentional with poetry, but sometimes poetry wants to be, poems want to say a story that um, it wants to, they want to articulate something that you can't quite get into words, but ironically have to become words in order mm. to become the poem. So I'm just, I'm not sure right now how to answer that question. Although I would love to sit with it because I think it's a great question. Um, mm. Thank you for asking it. Mm. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which, uh, because you won the Ruben Alves award this year, uh, you sort of, are thrown into the theopoetic world. What does theopoetics mean to you? Gosh, this question. If you want to read the the Sojourners article that was released this last year, you could read that just verbatim, and I think that would be a very, very adequate response. <laughs> Do I have it? Let me see. I'll read it verbatim. No, 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 no. I you don't have it's, to do that. <laughs> it's wrestling with the tension, right, between what the so when church can't supply language, when there's nothing in our theology that can provide language for what it is that we're feeling, um, that's where theopoetics comes in. Mm -hmm. But I'm also a baby at theopoetics because there's so much more to there's learn about. So much. So much more. And I think from the jump, I was asking not the wrong questions, but I was asking questions of origin instead of asking different questions about process and progress. And I think I mm. tweeted that out at some point. Mm. Um, but every time I think of theopoetics, I always think about imagination, progress, mm. and um, process. So that's where I am right now in sitting with being a theopoet. I think I was called that a couple of times and I was like, wow, mm. that's a real word that people are using this word. This is, mm. this is incredible. And I almost feel like I'm cheating. I don't know if that's the appropriate word to say, but there's so many other people doing this work and doing it well and have been doing it for such a long time uh, that I almost feel 
like I'm still learning, you know, for some people, it's they've been doing this forever, although they don't use that terminology for it. Mm. And so I'm, I'm sitting with that still. Mm. Yeah. There's that identity that you talked about at the beginning of being a learner and student. Yeah, there you right go. There. Just oh, ro- so rooted wow. in there. <laughs> so great. There, there was this great moment um, that I, I often reminisce about at the Theopoetics Conference this last March, where I think it was at it was the last day of the conference. And so it was mainly just a lot of debriefing. And we're sitting at the table right next to one another and kind of talking about the, the conference in general. And at one point, I don't know exactly what spurred this, this comment for me. Um, but you mentioned something along the lines of like, there's so many brilliant people here. And then you said something along the lines of, I'm not sure if I'm a theologian. And then I kind of stopped you for a second. You you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I stopped you for a second and I felt a little like I, I you know, knowing my place in the world as a white man, I, that's the last thing I want to do. But I really needed to get this comment out. And so I stopped you for a moment and I said, no, Carolina, you are a theologian. You are a theologian. Uh, and you gave me a little side hug and everything. And we haven't been able to sort of process through that yet. And so I, I, I want to open up this opportunity for you to kind of talk about what does it mean for you to be a theologian? What does that mean for you? What, what does that mean to you? You, can, you don't have to think about a theologian in the, in the very technical and proper definition. I want you to be able to riff on however you think about what it means for you to be a theologian. So I believe language um, is about access, right? And that Mm. they go hand in hand. And so when I think of a theologian, I think of someone with access to language, with someone who can put particular words to particular experiences, um, And honestly, I think also someone who can, you can say something and they can tell you an address in a Bible where that might be, or like this incredible story that Jesus did this or Deborah did that. And um, I'm just not well versed in Bible. I'm still, I still go to my Bible to find things like, oh, where was that? Oh, I didn't even hear about that. Holy cow. You know, Mm. just. We're at the summit decolonizing the Bible, talking about power and positions of power and reading it from a Western lens and then reading it from the lens of apartheid. Mm. And holy cow, there's so much more that I just don't know about, mm. about the Bible. And to me, um, that's what theologians are. They're people who can put language to things. Mm. and um biblical language and it's just it's such a beautiful word like i work with people who have mdivs and who have masters in theology from yale and from you know Mm -hmm. um to me that's a theologian right right for now i think that a theologian is is someone who can supply language and who has access to certain knowledge that perhaps I don't have knowledge to yet yet
you're still unkind. I have Seth and Lindsay Dent, uh, both who make up the Bluebird 2. Uh, that that kind of that little alliteration got me there for a second. Uh, I don't, yeah. have, has it gotten you on stage before? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. We're starting. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Once you're once you get acquainted with it, I'm sure it's a little bit better. But initially, I'm sure it's it's a little bit of a tongue twister. Yeah. So you both are folk singers, and you have this little folk group together. And I love the fact that I, I, I'm sure you're a couple. You both have the same last name. Uh, yeah. And so I and I I love that too. On top of all all the the music, uh, so I love the fact that it, you both are a couple, and you both have to to bring that to your marriage, right? So that's a that's a whole thing. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Um, but before we we get into any of that, you released recently a new single, and last year you released an EP. Talk a little bit about maybe the impetus for releasing an EP, and then not quite yet releasing a full length album and then you got a new single out. So what, what was sort of the, the impetus for all of that? So the, uh, the EP, uh, and it actually was to start with the EP release a single off of that too, just to kind of get everything out there. And then we released the full EP back when it was, uh, just her and I writing music together and just, you know, me basically playing everything, the acoustic guitar. And we have a mm-hmm. uh, kick drum made out of a suitcase too. So that's on the EP. That's <laughs> here or there. It's uh yeah we're we're that folk indie you know <laughs> um, very so uh, we did that and then we started writing more music and realized that we we like a lot of things so like we although we consider ourselves a indie folk duo um you'll notice on the the single the newest single fine feathers that it's full band sound with a full drum yep. kit I noticed that um quite a different change and that's just represents things that we both like so we we're, we try to broaden it out a little bit um. So we do shows both ways as well. We do shows where it's just us two, like the EP, and then mm. we do uh, shows where it's the full band with the rhythm section and everything as well, um, more folk rock-esque. Um, so we released the EP just to kind of get something out there because we had all this bubbling up and we wanted to to get it out there. Uh, and then the single is kind of a taste of a full album that we want to do that sounds more, has more of that folk rock sounds mm-hmm. the folk influences but with a rhythm section and a full band mm-hmm. um, and the reason we haven't released a full album yet is because it's very expensive to record a full <laughs> album mm-hmm. and music doesn't always make you a lot of money so uh, <laughs> we've been trying to do this whole kickstarter thing um it's been okay so far um we've still got a few days left on it we're not quite there yet but we actually have a full album written we just haven't been able to put it mm. uh, down yet Wow. Yeah, the difference between the EP and the single just shows like the evolution yeah. of, you know, of us right. when we started out, it was just the two of us just writing music together, doing the bare, almost the bare minimum yeah. to make a band. And then, you know, we have a really incredible music community that we're a part of and met our bassist, met our drummer, drummer and that inspired us to write more music that could include them as well. And so that's why our single fine feathers is one that kind of incorporates uh, the entire community that we're kind of a part of. So uh, that's kind of the direction we want to go while the, the duo side is our roots and we enjoy doing that. Um, Having a full band sound is something we both really enjoy. Mm -hmm. So I was curious, 
with kind of the evolution in the sound, did you also notice yourselves listening to different artists uh, that might have contributed to you wanting to to have maybe a little bit fuller band sound? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, well, are a lot of artists that I really love a lot. Um, one of my favorite bands of all time is Manchester Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Uh, great indie rock band, if you're not familiar with them. But they, uh, the lead singer does sort of a similar thing where he does minimalist acoustic projects that I really love and gathered a lot of inspiration from. And then, of course, the Manchester Orchestra is the full band rock mm-hmm. project, which I also really love. And so I, I think we think of it as sort of an evolution, but also just you know, multi-facets of what we love. Because I, we played a show you know, a couple of days ago where it was still just us and the acoustic guitar and the kick drum again. And that was just as much fun, you know, as the full band. We, we like doing all of it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I mentioned this at the top is that you both are a couple in a band and that creates a whole dynamic within your, your relationship. Um, I, I was curious, did you meet, uh, wanting to or, or were you in a relationship and then did you start your band or were you in a, the band together or wanting to do a duo together and it kind of grew this love interest uh kind of what what happened first right so uh we actually met kind of through music music is the reason we're together and it's mm-hmm. also like a thing that sustains us as well um Seth before we met was writing music uh by himself um just kind of you know his own solo thing and he had a band as well and um we actually met on twitter we like to emphasize that it's twitter not Not tinder Tinder. um anything wrong with that but we uh we're not actively seeking a relationship um and i found on his twitter a link to um a previous song he released with this other music project and um, I gave it a listen. And uh, honestly, with the worst intentions, yeah. I, list- <laughs> I clicked the link for the worst intentions and then kind of ate my words when I realized it was a really, really well done song. You, you thought it was going to suck or like it was going to be some cheesy boy band song or something. And that's, you're basically just listening to it to kind of satisfy yourself. Yeah, I'm yeah, right. like, yeah. Oh, I'm right. Yeah, no, it was not that at all. It was a very well written kind of breakup song. And because I... <laughs> oh you even th- noticed it was a breakup song that's even yeah i was like oh oh he's like he's single. <laughs> i mean right off the i mean right off the bat you you were looking for something um so i messaged him on twitter and i just said hey i heard your music and i don't know where you are in your musical journey but i just want you to know that i'm listening and it was really great and then that turned into uh, two months later, we realized we loved each other. And then six months later, he asked me to marry him. And then almost a full year later, we got married. Wow, that's quick. It's, it's pretty quick. It's pretty quick, but when it, you it know. It just kind of works. When you know, you know. I mean, yeah. she messaged me that night and about three hours into the messaging, I said, hey, let's meet for lunch. She said, great. And I said, tomorrow. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> so that's, that's, uh, that's kind of how that worked yeah how we started but um I actually we both have musical backgrounds outside of each other um I went to school for musical theater and performance and I'm a professionally trained vocal singer Mm -hmm. and um he went to school for music and performance uh, performance. and I've been doing a lot of worship leading in different churches for a long Mm -hmm. time that 
that kind of incorporates into it as well. Yeah. So we both had backgrounds beforehand and it definitely was like a plus when we started dating that yeah. we both were a part of music. And then we just kind of sang together and just, you know, hanging out at home kind of stuff. And then I, I sang with you on some open mic nights. Yeah. And then we were like, this is really fun. And then it turned into, okay, well, let's like, let's like let's try to, to do together. this. And yeah. um, so then we started, started actually writing together about, I don't know, would you say now. like, would you say like it's almost a full year into the relationship that we really started the band? Uh, no, well, less, no, less it would be less that. than that. Yeah. yeah. No, it would be less than because we were, that's right. Because yeah, I'm like going through the things in my head. But, <laughs> Timelines are weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on the first acoustic EP, that uh, the last song, Lighthouse, is the first song that we ever wrote together. Oh, um, that's great. I was, yeah. When I, when I was uh, realizing that I was like really in love with this woman, I started writing a song as any you know person does when they feel like they're in love with somebody <laughs> and mm -hmm. can write songs. Um, and I got halfway through it and kind of got stumped. And so instead of you know just like BSing something and making it you know what it needed to be or what or just trying to complete it. I sent it to her and said, hey, I was going to surprise you with this, but I'm writing this song for you, but I can't finish it. Do you think you can finish it? And that was the first song you'd ever written, right? Yeah, I'd never written a song before. Oh. So I sent, it, I sent it kind of as a challenge, but also, hey, can you help me? You know, just seeing if this was going to work. And this is, that was probably four or five months into our dating, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't that long. Um, oh. So we wrote that song together, and it's kind of uh, like, the cultivation of our of our love story together and kind of um how you know we make our make each other's lives better just by being in it yeah. and um so it was a song written for me by him and a song for him written by me so it's like a super sappy love song <laughs> yeah. so and nice. uh when i when i asked her to marry me we were actually playing another open mic and we played that song and then at the end of it i like changed one of the lyrics and got down and and she cried a lot. That is clever. <laughs> that is so clever. Yeah, it was wonderful. That's yeah. great. Uh, you mentioned before that you are in the process of writing uh, some new songs. You have a, a album ready to go, uh, just a matter of recording it. Um, right. Any idea of when that could be? And then also any like other future things that you're looking forward to? Maybe a tour, some shows, anything up that alley? So that that's, we're kind of, at a crossroads right now because we're, we're full-time musicians and also have full-time jobs so it's like this weird you know trying mm. to find out what works you know and wh where we want to go um but we keep having these ideas and these these songs and, and stories that that come up and I, I feel like if we don't get them out there we're going to go crazy so <laughs> that's that's kind of where we're at you know um but it's it is a hard process at least for us it has been um, finding the time to do it and then finding the funding to do it. It's just mm -hmm. been a mess, you know, like I guess again, recording a full length album with a full band and everything is not cheap because there's a lot of people you got to pay to do it and make right. it happen. Um, so you can have the ideas and the songs all day long, but getting it physically done is, is the challenge. And that's kind of where we're stuck right now and trying to overcome. Mm -hmm. um, and then as far as tour goes, I mean, we would absolutely love to, um, but there's, there's a few people that we've been, in contact with a few bands that we're trying to you know schmooze up to a little bit like hey you know if you like <laughs> us maybe take us on tour one day and honestly we've got a great local scene around here and some of the other guys and gals are starting to really take off and mm -hmm. so i thought something happens in that area that we would, we would definitely follow somebody around have fun awesome um, but we're, we're kind of in the process of taking it one step at a time really mm -hmm. yeah we try not to plan too far in, too far in advance just because we never know 
you know, what's going to come next. And yeah. we always like to, you know, stay pretty open and pretty flexible for, you know, whatever comes our way. You know, sometimes we get thrown shows at the last minute yeah. and uh, we want to be able to take those opportunities. Um, and then, uh, you know, while we may not always, you know, do our own things, we both are a part of a, a recording studio where we're kind of like, I, I call ourselves like studio partners because yeah. uh, Seth is the, has been on many, many tracks by many different artists in mm -hmm. the area and in the region. And then I also have been on a couple of tracks too. So even if we're not doing our own music, we are still involved with some incredible artists and this awesome studio that we, we love very much. So as long as we have an outlet, yeah. even if we're doing cover shows at a brewery or we just lay a quick 15 second track at the studio, as long as we have an outlet, like that's the most important thing to us. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again, uh, Lindsay and Seth. This has been super wonderful. I've really enjoyed your music. Uh, I, I love like a good folk duo. Um, I remember at, back uh, probably like in high school, I was listening to this folk duo called uh, Jenny and Tyler. I don't know if you've ever heard of them or not. Um, yeah, they were sort of in that little Christian music scene or not. But anyway, I, I'm a big fan of, of their stuff. And so it, a lot of that reminded me and, and actually really brought me back to some of those high school memories of listening to them. So thank you again. Uh, this has been really great. And uh, I, I look forward to uh, that new album when it comes out. Yeah, thanks so much. What was that like for you in that moment when I when I said that? Um, I, you, I mean, you could you if you were like, that was just the worst moment in my life and I wish you would never have said it. That's a totally great response. Um, but I, I'm just curious. I, again, we I don't know if we really had much time to debrief that. But I uh, for me and in and, and, and my experience at the Theopoetics Conference, that was a really powerful moment for me to be able to affirm that what I see in you as a theologian. So I'm, I'm just curious, what what did that mean for you to to? for me to make that comment. It's really powerful to name, right? When we can name mm -hmm. ourselves, it's really powerful. When other people name us, it could be very destructive or it could be very uplifting. Mm -hmm. And so when people start to name things that I one day hope to own or one day hope to name myself, that to me, um, it makes me emotional. Mm. I think of all the other people doing the work as well who don't get to be called <laughs> theologians. Mm -hmm. I think about um, I think about how much work I still have to do. Mm. And so when when you said that, I got emotional. Um, And it's just something to reflect on. It's definitely something I want to move toward and work toward. Um, what a what a dream, right? What a mm. what a beautiful thing. Sometimes I don't think that 
that I can hold those well, just because mm-hmm. maybe so many other people are waiting for that, you know, and so many other people are working hard toward that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take it lightly when, uh, when such, um, such an important name is, is, is being given or afforded mm. to me, you know, mm. does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. Totally. <laughs> One of my last questions is, is you talked about a while ago about preferring to talk about disruption, maybe rather than decolonizing because you hold uh, two different identities, sort of intention of being one who was has an ancestry of being colonized and also being of of ancestry of colonizers. Um, and so you you prefer to talk about disruption. So my question to you then is, what has disrupted you lately? Yesterday it rained really bad. <laughs> really bad. In Texas, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then it was sunny like an hour later. Um, it, was, it was so odd. It usually is odd. But what has been disrupting me lately is all of the plans that I make for myself because I'm an Enneagram 7 <laughs> and I'm enthusiastic about everything. And I want to be an astrophysicist one week. And the next week, I want to be something totally different. Mm. But people keep naming me and it's not just you mason people (laughs) keep naming me and um i feel this tug and it's disruptive because i have so many plans but we already know this cliche right god laughs at your plans god's like okay sure you're gonna do all of this but really you're gonna do all of this So the disruptions for me lately have been things that, and not in a bad way, disrupting in a good way, things that keep pointing me inward. Mm. I'll give you an example. Like spiritual direction. I have never loved spiritual direction so much in my entire life. Um, And it's pointing in. Nothing is pointing out. It's all pointing back in. Mm. And that has been a great disruption in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question, Carolina. How can listeners get connected to you and your work? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm tweeting over at, at C. Snettles Cafe. Um, I'm on Facebook at Carolina Hinojosa Cisneros Writer. I'm on Instagram at Cisneros Cafe. And I will one day update my blog at cisneroscafe.org. <laughs> <laughs> and then my my chat book is out of Flower Song um, Books. So you can follow the press and follow my work and what I'm doing there. Awesome. Uh, are you happening to open a cafe someday? Maybe is that one of the Enneagram 7 aspirations that you have is opening up your own cafe? Yes, with a bookstore attached to oh, it. That sounds it. wonderful. Yeah. I'd spend all day in there using your Wi-Fi. When I'm retired and I'm a Chicana priest, I'm going to have this cafe and it's going to have pan dulce and all the best things. And it's going to have books that are all women of color. Oh, um, so great. 
Chicana theologians and Chicana writers. It's going to be the best thing. <laughs> it will it will it will take over the world. It will be the just word of mouth everywhere. It just will be the best thing. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Carolina. This is so wonderful. Anytime I get to a time to chat with you is some of the best moment of my life. I, I love just your your smile and your bubbliness and your wisdom uh, and, and just the beautiful words that you are able to create, <clears throat> both in person and in your books and in your poetry. Uh, you're just such a wonderful human being and uh, one of my favorite theologians. Thank you, Mason. You're the best. Down by the way, the world too dimly lit to see what the room all around it beholds. If that episode left you hanging and you're wanting more from both Carolina and the Bluebird 2, you can find links to connect to them and their work in the episode description. Again, you can also connect to me through my website, masonmeniga.com. There you can find more of my work, including some articles and papers I write, other religionless church episodes, and ways to connect with me via social media. Also, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, if religionless church matters to you, support by giving a rating and review and by becoming a patron of my Patreon page. Thank you for listening to Religionless Church. I send you out with this. May the divine bless you with doubt and keep you disrupted. May the divine make the divine's face of infinitude shine upon you and show you graciousness to your own finitude. May the divine lift up the divine's countenance of justice upon you and give you whole unsatisfaction now and forever. So be it. Lighthouse in the waves Light to guide my way Sure that keeps me safe And I am yours in every way always Thinking how
Shit. Yeah. 